All right, this is Nick Verdi here with the Operations Mastery Podcast. I'm here with Gianna Cambria. She's the CEO and founder of Upper Hand Creative, an extremely impressive content agency based out of Florida, and we're excited to have her on. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Good to be here. So Gianna, how long have you been doing this? Um, what did it start as and where's the business today? Yeah, um, not exactly the simplest answer, but basically the company has been around a little over six years. And when we started, our initial offer was graphic design on a monthly subscription. So if you think about like, you know, design pickle, something similar to that. And um, the the content system that we're running now really started, I think like most things out of necessity. Um, something that I drew up for myself as really kind of like hating social media, knowing I needed to do it. How can I do it in the least amount of time possible? Um, and developed this system to kind of grow our own graphic design business. People kept asking if we did this for clients and I was trying to stick to my lane of graphic design. And then, you know, here we are. So we've been running the content offer specifically now for about two and a half years. Amazing. And this is like social media content? Social media, organic content. Um, we do, I mean, at the end of the day, we're placing essentially uh, what we call content specialists, but they're a full-on video editor. So some of our clients do, you know, submit ad creative, or we'll take an organic post that's performing and run that as an ad. Interesting. And so you place these video editors inside companies? Exactly. Yep. Okay. And um, do you do the recruiting and sourcing before you land the client or the client like gives you specs and you go find that person? Yeah. So we can do either one. Uh, we can customize the process more so to the client if there's a specific need that they have. Mm. Um, but for the most part, we do have this evergreen. It's it's a funnel, just like our lead funnel um, on the recruiting side of things. So we're constantly sourcing candidates. Um, we have hundreds of people that apply every single month and that are going through our process. And we kind of have a, a full-time, actually just as of a about a month ago, move somebody in our company to a full-time position that just oversees what we call the editor school. Um, and the editor school trains these editors before they go into companies? Exactly. Yeah. So there's obviously certain technical abilities and skills and experience that we're looking for natively coming into it. And then we're training them up on our process, our system, our workflow, um, which really turns these, these video editors, allows them to, I call it zone of genius recruiting. It mm -hmm. allows them to come in and get what they want, where they want to spend their time creatively editing, right? Which is why I think if you just go try to find a video editor on Upwork or something like that, and then say, hey, on top of that, you're going to manage all of my social media as well. It's kind of a hard thing to figure out. And so with yeah. our systems, they're really spending maybe 10 to 15% of their time max once they get it down on essentially what would be considered like the admin side of any job, mm -hmm. but it allows them to spend the rest of the time doing what they want to do, being creative and, and editing videos. What are those systems that allows them to focus mostly on video editing? Yeah. So we have a whole uh, workflow that the tech that we're using is essentially ClickUp. Um, yep. is the main thing. And then we have an in-house scheduler that we're using as well. And there are a couple, I think, differences that we've really figured out is the client can just drop the video in, go straight to the editor, um, includes all of the, you know, the SOPs and the checklists and everything that they need to go through that process. Um, and then we have a bunch of stuff on the back. We use a, another software called PageProof that basically once revisions or anything are, are tagged in there, it automatically triggers everything back to ClickUp and moves things through statuses uh, but the the editor is basically not having to do anything manually. We're moving it through the workflow. It's just kind of happening on, you know, through automations. And then once they move it through that process, it goes into the scheduler. And rather than having that editor have to manage like a typical content calendar and saying, okay, you know, we have 30 videos and I'm going to drag and drop. This is going out on Monday and this is going out on Tuesday. We set up queues. 
So really all the editor has to do is upload those final approved videos into the queue, has the captions and everything, um, hashtags, what platforms it's going out on. And all they did was upload it into the scheduler. And then from there, it's it's being distributed. That's smart. And the scheduler auto posts them on the client's socials? For the most part. I mean, there's still some, you know, some barriers with some of the APIs depending on the platform, but mm -hmm. it allows us to do both automatically post to anything that we can through the third-party API. Uh, and then it has manual posting as well. And the cool thing about us placing, you know, a content specialist in that person's business, rather than us being like the traditional agency model where we'd probably have to limit this. If that person has to manually post to say something like Rumble or a platform that doesn't support auto posting, that mm. editor, we can train them up on an SOP to handle that for the client where they can get the manual login. Um, it'll mm. still, you know, send them the post and everything they need to be able to do it easily. Amazing. And how many like candidates are you moving through this process each month? Does it depend on like the client volume or vary? Yeah. Are you, are you asking like how many we have go through the process or how many we're placing? Um, I guess both. Cause it's a funnel, right? I'm, I'm assuming you have to sift through. My big question is like recruiting takes a lot of time. So I'm curious your, your, how your recruiting process works and gets through so many candidates in, in you know, lands at quality ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is like, really our bread and butter with this process. Um, it's something that I picked up. My background is working for Orange Theory and working for corporate there. And it's a similar process where their product is the coach, right? Is the fitness coach that's that's delivering the product. And it's same for us. It's the editor. Mm. Um, and so the I think the key to hiring when you have such a specific need is volume. But like who wants to sit through all, if you've ever posted anything on like Upwork or online jobs or any of that stuff, your inbox is flooded. Yeah. Um, and I realized that right away. And so what I've done is like stripped everything out that I possibly can until the moment that I need a human interaction. Mm. So for us, what that looks like is everything is automated. They apply just like they would opt in as a lead through a funnel. There's a conditional logic on that initial form. So for us, it's, do you want a full-time position? If they check anything other than uh, yes, they're automatically disqualified. Yeah. If they check yes, they're automatically sent a test project. A test project has what I call like hidden instructions inside of it, right? So it's, hey, we need you to reply to this email within 24 hours. We need you to tell us when you're going to have this back to us. And that's kind of it. So I'm kind of leaving room open to see what their natural um, turnaround time would be. So we have them edit and repurpose a video. Mm. Um, so I can see the skills, but I can also see the soft skills, communication. Uh, did they did they read the directions in the email? And so there's tags that fire if they replied to the email or didn't reply to the email. If they say they're going to have the test project three days from now, but we get it three weeks from now, they're automatically disqualified. So like mm -hmm. different things like that on the front end that are happening without anybody having to do anything. Um, and so then once they submit the test project, that comes in and all we're doing is looking at the test. We're not looking at resumes. We're not looking at cover letters. We're not doing any of that. The first mm -hmm. thing we look at is a test project. It's pretty quick. I mean, you can tell within a couple seconds if they got it or not. Um, and then from there, our we call him our senior video editor. He's essentially anybody that we want to pass. He just drags them over in the pipeline in our CRM. And then from there, they get invited to an interview. It's a group interview that we hold weekly. They go on the interview and then the decision is made. Same thing, whether we want to pass them on to training or not. They get dragged over to pass the training. Agreement goes out, offer letter. They get basically go through a course through the course, there's different checkpoints that we have somebody managing that as well. They submit forms all throughout so we can see it's all just pipelines and we can see exactly where they're at. Um, and then, so really the only two interactions we have, test project, interview, and final test task from training submitted. And that's it. 
Wow. I mean, this is one of the more, maybe the most impressive hiring process I've, I've seen because it's so hard to get companies to break from the norm, which is you must read a resume. You must do, you must look at their cover letter. You must do four rounds of interviews. <laughs> so um, my opinion in hiring is always like, get them to do the, the task that if they were hired, they would do, like do a mock of it. And so the fact that you just send them straight to a test project where you can see, are they a good editor or are they not? I don't care about the resume or anything. Saves you a ton of time and is more effective. Um, so true. Yeah. And so I think that's that's a fantastic way of 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 doing it. And a lot of that can be automated up to the point where you actually review the work if it was turned in on time. Exactly. Yep. So love love that process first first and foremost. And so listen, when they're inside a company. Are you hands off, forget about it, or you still pay and work in like, are they under you or are they under the client? Yeah, good question. So when we are placing them, I mean, they are the client's contractor through and through. So, uh, but I think that the main difference here is rather than just handing that person off to the client after they've been through our training process and been vetted, I think this is where the real work starts. And anybody that's obviously hired a team knows this is the first like 30 to 90 days are critical. And there's got to be tight feedback loops and a lot of communication going, right? Just because that person came through with the skill set and passed the training doesn't mean that they're going to be a home run right out of the gate. They need support, right? And they need that ongoing training. So we provide that for our clients so that they don't have to. So we actually are hands-on. We ramp them. All their work goes through us, through our QA team. We have um, different, essentially coaches on on different at, you know sides of the business, whether it's copywriting or video editing or our systems. And so they can jump on calls with our team and get that collaboration all the while they're getting feedback as well on two things on the skill set that they need to run our systems and then the skill set that they need to get the client's brand voice as well. Amazing. What else is like part of your process that you would say makes it really, really efficient or was maybe complicated to, to solve that, that you did? Yeah. Um, I think honestly, it all comes down to, I was having this conversation the other day with my director of ops and it's, I think it can be, especially as like the owner of the business, you wonder like how much impact little things are having. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing for us, I've always looked at anything anybody is doing manually within our processes. My biggest question is, do we need to be doing that? Number one. Number two, is there a way that we can automate that? And if not, is there a way that we can specialize that where one person is owning that? And that's drastically increased our efficiency. So to give you like a tactical example, there's a pass off. We have an internal graphic design team and there's a pass off. We have like in ClickUp, it's one parent task, but a bunch of subtasks under it to go through each step. One of those is a graphic design. And one of the biggest bottlenecks for us was the pass off to the graphic design team. They couldn't have visibility into the parent task. They didn't know how to get it back to the client in time. So it was really slowing us down. Um, and I realized that there were some manual things happening in there. And once we automated that, and we were able to pull all that in, it sped us up very quickly and allows us to turn things around pretty quickly. 100%. I, I don't think, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's ClickUp or another tool, but to be able to distill a process down into the steps is a pretty quick thing for a business owner to write down and dramatically helps. And then the less handoffs you can make, whether you automate the handoff or you just select one employee to specialize in completing that task, just it's small but multiplied by how many things they do every day, every client they deal with every month, it's uh, it actually has tremendous ROI. And so that philosophy you have is really rare, but is 
really, really important for running a lean and like a profitable business. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And so what's your, so it's you, you have a director of ops and then you have a bunch of editors or, or what else is your, your team look like? Yeah. Um, well, since we made this switch in January to where we're actually placing the editor in the client's business, uh, we've been kind of, you know, moving through that, that transition, but we do still have probably about six or seven editors on the internal side that we keep just for overflow. And we have a couple of clients on older offers that we're still mm. servicing. Yeah. Uh, but our total team, if you count like sales reps, um, they're all contractors, but sales reps are director of ops and then, you know, project managers, quality assurance managers, that sort of, sort of thing. We're at like 36 people. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's grown. It was one of those things where I woke up one day, looked at the spreadsheet. I was like, wow, <laughs> we <laughs> went from, you know, a core of five to 36, what seemed like overnight. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. Um, what's the hardest part about managing people you think? Oh man, it's a new challenge for me. Like this is one of the skill sets that I really learned uh, through Orange Theory. That yeah. was great because we were in person. And one of the mm -hmm. things that was unique about our region there was the unity that we had as a team. Um, and I find that it's really difficult now when everybody's remote and not only remote, but like we have, you know, a global team. So there's mm -hmm. different nuances and things like that. So to get people together and get them together in a way that like, you know, when you work in an office or even um, stateside, it's like, you've got the water cooler conversations and you get to know people outside of work. And that's not really, it can be very easy to just fall into let's fire things off in Slack and never know who we're talking to on the other side. So I think that's our biggest challenge right now. Yeah. We, we, I found something very similar because we used to be in person and then now we're, now we're remote. Mm -hmm. So I found something very, basically for us, it's been accountability systems. So like everyone self-reports, all the things they get done. And then we look at the most important metrics and then just see, you know, if, if someone is like, if someone's missing the big metrics, then we'll go and actually more tightly manage and look at their day to day. But I'm not in the business of micromanaging people. Yeah. It's like similar to you. It's like, I'd, I'd rather not deal with any of that. And I think that's a, that's a key key thing that uh, you mentioned there. It's one thing that we are working on right now. Cause we're looking at like, how do we objectively, you know, hard metrics measure something so subjective by nature, which is video editing and creativity. Mm. Uh, so we really put those KPIs in place. We went through the whole process of like having the team be responsible for inputting that data. And we found that it wasn't working. So we actually have uh, hired a consultant now that's building it all out automatically into a dashboard for us, but trying nice. to, again, automate as much of that as we can and remove human error. But I agree. The accountability stuff is, is tough from a remote standpoint. Amazing. So do you, do you have any other tips for people starting their business or maybe a model isn't working and they're thinking about pivoting or maybe a little afraid to, cause you've done that a few times. Like, do you have any other, uh, other advice there? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think what you mentioned about the the business model is key. And I'm, I even find myself at every level, like even right now, we're probably going to be making a big shift in January that feels like um, a big business model shift in how we deliver things that will feel like in our minds, you know, mm -hmm. oh, it, people aren't going to want that. You know, how do we make that shift? How do we do all these things? And it feels scary. But I think every time I've let go of that, it's allowed us to just, you know, drastically, like non-linearly -line grow um, exponentially, you know, get to that next level. And it always seems like you're letting go of something really, really good. And sometimes you are, but you have yeah. to let go of what's good in order to get to that next level. So I think for me, it's like constantly reminding myself of that. 100%. Last question out of curiosity. Do you think like, 
AI and in video creation and editing is a little overhyped or not there yet? Or like, what's your opinion with, with that? It's close. It's really close. And I think yeah. where, where we're coming in is how do we leverage AI? And I think anybody that is like looking at AI in this lens has the same mindset, but it's like, how do we leverage AI to make what we're doing already more efficient? Yeah. It's not to the level that it can replace. Uh, there's definitely a long way to go there and still needs that human touch. But now a video editor, for example, that could do, you know, X amount in a day can suddenly do five times more than that with ease because of the right use of AI. 100%. Well, this has been super interesting podcast, especially for anyone who has a hiring process. I think this one was specifically interesting. So I appreciate, appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me, Nick.